Okay, we're coming up on the Easter season, as you know, you've heard me say. And uh, I'm going to, over the next couple weeks on Sunday school, uh, do everything we can to prepare you for Easter Sunday. <laughs> so we like to fill in the blanks and anything that we can add so that on that day uh, you can really be full of joy and worship. And uh, I really like that. And remember what Jesus said uh, to the woman at the well. He said, they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the Father is looking for people like that to worship him. And so uh, we want to worship intelligently. That's what he means when he says we're going to worship in truth. That is, we're going to take intelligent things, grasp them and understand them in our mind, and have a better uh, grip of what they are. And so uh, what we want to do is try to take some of the elements of the service on Easter Sunday and go over them ahead of time so that you're all prepared. You've got all the answers and it makes perfect sense. But sometimes if I say, here, sing this hymn, and you sing it through and you say, well, I've sang it a thousand times before. All right, we'll sing it again. Or we may think, well, we haven't sang that one that much. And there's a few phrases in there that just slip right by and you don't even think about it. Because, you, you know, you're singing along and you go right through and you don't think about what you're singing about. And we're trying to make that so that uh, we give you a little heads up on that. So in your hymn books, which are in front of you, on page number 117 is what we want to look at. This is going to be part of our Easter Sunday celebration, this hymn called Crown Him with Many Crowns. And we want to go through it and explain it so that when you sing it, it'll make some sense. There's some words in there that you might not know what they mean. And there's some phrases that uh, actually slip right by just like that. And you say, well, what, what? no, never mind. I'm, I'm singing along. <laughs> and you miss them. And so we're going to try to uh, provide for you some of these things and get you thinking along a certain way. And crowning with many crowns is about a lot of things. It works good at Easter time. But I'm looking at Revelations chapter 4 because we get here what they're talking about. That's when uh, in heaven Jesus takes a throne. And what happens when he does that? I'm looking at Revelations 4 and verse number 8. And the four beasts, each of them had six wings about him. They were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is, and is to come. So we have these worshiping angels. And when those beasts give glory, honor, and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne, and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And if you go to verse uh, uh, chapter 5, verse 4, 
John says, I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, neither to look therein. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and loose the seven seals thereof. And then he talks about Jesus, who stood as a lamb that was slain, and they are crowning him and throwing, it says, their crown. They had a crown. Uh, and they said, throw it to Jesus. So he says, we're going to crown him with many crowns. He's going to get mine. He's going to get yours. He's going to get everybody's he can get because he's the one that really won the crown. So in verse 1 here, and crown, him with, crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon his throne. And then the next phrase is the one nobody ever thinks about. How, how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but its own. I like music. <laughs> I've been doing music for a lot of my life, and music has uh, certain elements in it. It has in it melody as part of it, harmony as part of music, and rhythm. Rhythm is part of music, and those are some of the elements that make up music, and uh, you got to have good to make it work. And there's a whole lot of bad music out there. There's millions and millions and millions of recordings that aren't worth my one second. I wouldn't listen to them. Uh, poorly written, poorly performed. But there are good things in music. Uh, uh, harmony blends tones. God made music. I understand God made music. He made there to be tones, and those tones go up and up and up and up and up. And uh, so what we, we have is these tones, and if you blend them together, creates harmony. And if you're good at blending them, it sounds great. If you're not so good, eh, they sound a little different. All right? And then rhythm creates drive. And uh, God ran it all through uh, creation. Um, birds sing, right? Birds sing, part of it. But they usually only have one song they can sing. Birds have one song. Now, some birds have a, more than one. A catbird, he'll sound like a whole bunch of different things. When you hear a catbird, you can hear he's a little different. Oh, that's a, he's, yeah, he's a catbird. All right. And so some birds have more than one, but most birds only have one song that they can sing. But God allowed humans to sing a whole bunch of different songs, gave us the ability to create music and to sing uh, all these different songs. It's all kinds of songs, folk, folk music, patriotic music, love songs, songs that are just fun. Uh, but the point of it is that no matter how good the music is, music, when it's at its best, God made it for worship. God made it for worship. And so, the best music, you take something like Handel's Messiah, all right, has created this fantastic piece of music. The harmony and the melodies are wonderful. Everything comes together. It's a beautiful piece. And he says, that music drowns other music. Amen to that, all right? When you're listening to music that's made for worship God, and understand that music has its highest function as worship 
to God. And I have no question in my mind that God created it and said, here, what do you want to do with it? Well, we did a lot of junk with it and we wasted a lot of it. But there is a music that focuses on God's worship and uh, uh, beautiful, beautiful music. And he says that kind of music drowns the other music. And so when you hear a beautifully written beautifully performed song about worship and about God, like Crown Him with Winning Crowns. It's a great song. When you hear that, you think, this is better than singing when Johnny comes marching home. This is better than singing these other things. It's the highest form of music, and uh, the angels use it. I'm sure they're good at it. I'm sure when we hear them, we'll say, ooh. I'm putting it in my mouth because I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> They'll, it'll be fantastic. And so music is created by God and it has a function. When it serves its highest function, it is worshiping God. And so he says what you'll hear is that a, a song that really focuses on God and says, here, here, listen to this. We're going to worship God with music. He said, that's going to, you'll understand that that's the highest thing that you can get. Now it says, awake my soul and sing of him who died for thee. Hail him as thy matchless king through all eternity. So it's really, you have to wake up. (laughs) I tell people who sing for me, don't come in here half dead. We're going to sing every minute like we mean it with all our heart. And you're just rehearsing, oh, I'm going to rehearse this for the hundredth time. Yep, and we're going to do it like we mean it with all our heart. Awake, my soul, and sing. And <clears throat> I think that if you're going to sing the Lord's music, you better do it with all your heart. And uh, get, wake up and get in with it. Now, in this old Methodist hymn book, they put a page in here. And this came right from John Wesley. And this is his opinion about church music. It's fantastic. Ready? Learn these tunes before you learn any others. Afterwards, learn as many as you please. So he said, learn the hymn book. That's what he's saying. Learn the hymn book. Sing them exactly as they're printed here without altering or amending them at all. If you have learned to sing them otherwise, unlearn it as soon as you can. (laughs) says they've put it together intelligently and done a good job. Sing all. See that you join with the congregation as frequently as you can. Let not a slight degree of weakness or weariness hinder you. If it is a cross to you, if you don't like singing, take it up and you'll find it to be a blessing. People sometimes say, well, I'm not a singer. It's okay. You don't have to be. You just need to sing. You don't have to be a singer. Sing lustily and with good courage. Beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep. There you go. But lift up your voice with strength. Be no more afraid of your voice now, nor ashamed of it being heard than when you sung the songs of Satan. Sing modestly. Do not bawl as to be heard above or distinct from the rest of the congregation that you may not destroy the harmony. 
but strive to unite your voices together so as to make one clear, melodious sound. Sing in time, rhythm. Whatever time is sung, be sure to keep with it. Do not run before or stay behind it, but attend close to the leading voices and move therewith exactly as you can. Take care not to sing too slow. This drawling will naturally steal on all who are lazy. It's a high time to drive it out from us and sing our tunes just as quick as we did at first. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Sing all spiritually. Have an eye on God in every word you sing. Aim at pleasing Him more than yourself or any other creature. In order to do this, attend strictly to the sense of what you sing and see that your heart is not carried away with the sound but offered to God continually. So shall your singing be such as the Lord will approve here and reward you when he cometh in the clouds of heaven. So he meant business. He said, sing like you mean it. Sing like you're really going to sing to God, he said, and that's the way we want you to sing. And uh, that's why the Methodist movement was so strong. They had two things, direct preaching and vigorous singing. And that's why there's a Methodist church here, and over there, 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 and over there. They were everywhere. They were ten times more than any other denomination, because they were doing two things. Preach like you mean business, and sing like you mean it. And so, this is his instruction to us. Get with it. Sing, all right? All right, let's look at verse 2. Crown him the Lord of love. Behold his hands inside. And so, uh, it says, I want you to think about when you're singing this song, think about how much God loves you. He's the king of love. Crown him as the king of love. And if you need proof, behold his hands inside. He's wounded. Now here's an interesting thing. Those wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified. Jesus kept his wounds. He still has holes in his hands and feet. Now he didn't have to do that, right? Just create another body or just, look at, he healed all kinds of things. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter cut the ear off one of the servants. He just went, boop, and it was all fixed. Just like that. He had an ear cut off, and Jesus just touched it, and there it was again. He put it, he just fixed it right there. You think he can fix those wounds in his hands? Sure he could. Why did he keep them? Why did he keep them? We crown him what? The Lord of love. All right? And so when you see him, you'll think, does he love me? And he'll say, yep. There. Yep. Take a look. Remember what he told Thomas? He said, if you're not sure, here. Put your finger in there, Thomas. Here's my side. And he opens his side where there's a hole there. Significant hole. He said, put your hand in there if you want. I want you to know for sure. And so he has kept his wounds, and it says, they're yet visible above in beauty glorified. That is, they don't look repulsive. They look beautiful. And when we see them, 
you know, it's going to be amazing when we see him. No angel in the sky can fully bear that sight, but downward bends his burning eyes at mysteries so bright. So here's what happened. Jesus came down. He died on the cross. First of all, he just came to earth, and the angels were thinking, what's he doing? He didn't do that when we sinned. And now here's these lesser beings, and he's come down, and he's born. And so a whole bunch of them come down when he's born. And they're singing, what a, talk about music that drowns all anthems but his own. You can bet on that first Christmas night that that was a, that was a masterpiece. Ah. He said, they came down, he says, and they wanted to know, but he says they can't fully bear the sight. But downward bends his burning eye. Angels want to know why we saved the human race. Why did he save these people? What's there about them? And they're trying to figure it out. And the Bible says angels really want to know why Jesus died for this human race. And they're trying to figure out, and says, they downward bends their burning eye. Says we can't quite get it. And they, I think the most fascinating one is when they came to the tomb. And when you look at the story of what happened in the resurrection, uh, there's angels all over the place. He sees one, he sees two, he sees some inside, he sees them outside, he sees one sitting on a, on a, they're all over the place. Why? They're fascinated. They're trying to figure out how did that happen? And they're coming down, and as always, humans are way behind, right? <laughs> There's a million angels up there singing when he's born, and they're all going, well, where did you come from? What's up? Said, well, he's born right down there. And they're all, everybody was sleeping. And he comes down to the tomb, and they're fascinated, and they're going in and out of the tomb, and they're pairs of them and different ones all over. A great big strong one came down, pulled the stone away and sat on it. <clears throat> okay? Yeah. He's, he's tougher than all of us put together. Right? He came, why? Because they're fascinated, but they can't quite grasp it. Uh, downward bends his burning eye, a mystery so bright that the love of God would reach down to the human race. It makes the angels say, Wow. That's really amazing. Okay, verse 3. Crown him the Lord of peace, whose power a scepter sways from pole to pole that wars may cease and all be prayer and praise. So we know that God is going to return to earth. Tells us in Isaiah, uh, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, going to take over the government of the world, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Remember what the last one was? The Prince of Peace. And so he's coming down to this world, and we scratch our heads and look at this world and say, man, who can fix this mess? How can we turn the tide? How can He's going to do it in five minutes. You're going to come and you're going to fix it in five minutes. 
because he's what? The Prince of Peace. He's going to come and bring peace. He's going to say to the world, we're not going to fight and argue anymore. We're going to take these weapons and reform them into plowshares. And we're going to till the ground. And we're going to bless and we're going to have peace throughout the whole world. It says from pole to pole, he's going to create peace. So there won't be any wars. Wars will cease and all be prayer and praise. And when he comes down to do that, uh, it says, His reign shall know no end, and round his pierced feet fair flowers of paradise extend their fragrance ever sweet. One of the things that God will do when he returns to the earth and that's what they're describing here. Uh, you're going to remove the curse. Now in Genesis, the world got cursed. Man rebelled against God, and so God's going to put a curse on the world. And so throughout the entire nature, nature, animal world, animal kingdom, plant kingdom, there's a stress in it. And the stress shows itself in different ways. The lion comes along and he eats whatever he wants because he's a lion. All right? Coyote comes along, he eats whatever he can steal. All right? There's a constant stress in nature. And, and it was described to us in Genesis that part of the curse is that weeds will grow. Man, do they grow good. Huh? And you got gardens? I got, I got a garden every year. I say, I'm going to clean all the weeds out and till it and get it so it looks perfect. And by July, it's full of weeds. I didn't put them there. I thought I got rid of them. I can't get rid of them. I've been trying for 30 years. And every year they grow back, and boy, do they cover everything else. Why? Because the world is stressed. Nature is stressed by the curse. And God said, I'm going to make it so. It's not the way I intended it. You don't want to live in my world, then we're going to put a curse on the world the way you like it, and it's always going to be a constant stress. So when Jesus comes pole to pole, that wars may cease, and he puts an end to the rebellion in the human race, then he says, I'm going to roll the curse off of nature, too. And that's when he says, the lion will lay down with the lamb. Put them together now. That lamb ain't going to last five seconds. The lion's going to eat him up. He said, later on, they're going to lay down together because the stress is removed out of creation. And so when he removes the stress out of creation, this world is going to be, he says, flowers of paradise extend their fragrance ever sweet. All right? And so he's going to return, as it were, to paradise. Paradise before the curse. That was when Adam and Eve lived down here. What did they do? They walk around and ate fruit off the trees and off the vines that grew, and they had it made. Man, did they have it made. What a beautiful place. And he said, I'm going to return it to that. And so I'm going to roll the curse away and let the earth produce the way I intended it to produce. And then there will be flowers everywhere, not choked out by weeds going to be a beautiful world. So he's going to come back and he's going to do that. So we're going to crown him the Lord of peace who as the Prince of Peace comes and reigns. Right, so we crown him the Lamb 
sing his praises, right? we crown him the Lord of love, look at his wounds and see those, and then crown the Lord of peace who comes to the world and sweeps over it with peace. And it'll be an amazing thing to behold. Last one, crown him the Lord of years, the potentate of time, creator of the rolling spheres, ineffably sublime. All right, so he's the Lord of time. He's the Lord of time. And he's the Lord of uh, creator of the rolling spheres or anything that's round and rolling, <laughs> which is, of course, the earth is one of those things. Uh, the stars are round balls up there. It is fascinating to think that they're generating hydrogen ovens that are so big they can, from our sun, we can heat this earth, and make it pretty hot. It's just up there. And we're all saying, oh, we're in an energy crisis. He's not. He's not at all. Look, at, he's got, he made those suns up there. As a matter of fact, ours is kind of a dim one. You know, of all the stars that are out there, ours is kind of a small one. You look at some of them out there, you look up in the night sky. Last night, we had a little clearing for an hour or so. <laughs> and I was looking. Two o'clock in the morning, I'm looking up at the stars. It's the creator of the rolling sphere. So here's the planets moving and the stars are moving. And one of the things that's true of God is that God is a God of order. And so he created things and he put them in order. And those stars move exactly in order. And our sun moves exactly in order. And our moon moves exactly in order. Everything's in perfect order because what? It's God. And he says that they are ineffably sublime. You all know what that is, right? <laughs> That's one of those phrases in a song and you sing, creator of the rolling spheres, ineffably sublime. What does that mean? Well, you don't got time to look it up in the dictionary when you're singing. Okay, so we want to help you, tell you, here, when you sing ineffably sublime, what are you saying? Well, here's what we're saying. Ineffable it says unexpressible. Words fail. So if something is ineffable, you can't describe it. You can't say, well, hang on, let me think of a word. I can't think of a word. How do you describe God spinning planets off his fingertip? How do you decide this, this, this multitude, millions of stars up there, why are they up there? Because he just went whoosh. Can you describe that? I can't. It's ineffable. It's undescribable. So it is not just ineffable, undescribable, but it's ineffably sublime. And the word sublime is defined as to inspire awe. And so when he goes whoo, and the whole Heavens is full of stars, everyone perfectly in order, moving in order through its orbit, wherever they're orbiting throughout the universe, wherever they are. And we say, well, go ahead, explain that. I can't. I can't explain that. It's ineffable. 
but it's awe-inspiring. And so, and, and the word awesome, unfortunately, got overused a little while ago. Everything was, oh, this is awesome. And it's not awesome, you know. I mean, things aren't awesome. Awe is, it, it, we stand back and, and we look at God, we really need to have awe. Don't think, ah, I can just do what I want. He's God. He's in charge, and we're not. And so he says it's ineffably sublime. That is, we look at what he has done, and he created time. He created time. How did he do that? He doesn't have time in heaven. Time's not in heaven, but it's down here on the earth. In heaven... It's eternity. It's all eternity. No beginning and no end. So they don't run on a system of time. We're the only ones looking at a clock. Right? We're the only ones anywhere that look at a clock. Uh, angels don't look at a clock. We see an angel and they're always described as young men. It says at the tomb there's two young men, angels. How old are they? Well, they could be 10,000 years old. Obviously unaffected by time. So how did God make time to be? And we call it a time-space continuum. And we're trapped in it. We're trapped in this place. We can't get out of it. We're stuck here. But he's not in it. He's out of it. But he's in it and out of it. Got it? No, you don't got it. It's ineffably, undescribable, sublime. And so he's trying to say we're going to crown him the Lord of years or that the master of creation who made these things happen that you can't describe, you can't explain. They are all inspiring. He said we're going to put the crown on him. And hail, Redeemer, hail, for thou hast died for me. Thy praise shall never, never fail throughout eternity. That's where it ends up. They're all up there saying, thank you. All hail, all hail to Jesus. You died for me, brought me up to a place where they're going to live eternally. They're going to leave time behind. All right? I'm kind of glad about that. I had enough of time. All right? Time, time gets to be an annoying after a while because it makes me, oh, you know, right? You all feeling great so far? Yeah. It'll come to you. Time will catch up to you. All right? And we're going to get out of that entirely. We're going to go bang right out of it and go into eternity. And he's going to be there with his wounded hands, open to receive him. And we're going to say, I can't explain it. Man, it's amazing that I'm here. But the world has been set into peace. The lamb is on a throne, and so sing, he says, sing. sing. So when Easter Sunday morning, we're going to sing that. When we get to ineffably sublime, I'm going to look at you all. <laughs> I'm going to say, did they get it? Did they get it? Did they get what it means to be the potentate of time? And ineffably sublime. I hope so. I hope it's a little help on Easter Sunday. We'll do more coming up to it. Thank you.